Some of you heard me say this on Friday at our daily mass, but it's worth repeating. The scripture usually is. So we tend to throw out words, sometimes meaning them, sometimes not, or phrases that mean something or don't. But the holy scriptures, the sacred authors, never do that. They don't say things they don't mean. Now, if you're going to write a biography of Jesus, the most important subject there is, you're going to know exactly what you want to say, and you're going to say it. And even more, if it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he does not say things he does not mean. He only says the things he means. So if the words are important, and they don't use empty words, when you find words that are repeated, you pay attention to them. They're instructive for us. They're meant to catch our ears, say, oh, a theme is happening here. So in the short second reading we heard, we heard one word repeated three times. It's a lot for a short amount of text. Paul uses the word call three different times. He says, I, Paul, called to be an apostle. You call to be holy. And all those who call upon the name of Jesus. Now that same word is littered throughout all of Scripture. And more words that mean the same thing. Chosen, predestined. The Scriptures are full of them. So we should pay close attention to them and see what the church has to say. Okay, set that aside for now. I want to ask a question. Are any of you betting men? If you are, then you know that the higher the risk, the greater the payout, the higher the reward. Also, the less likely you're, you are to win. So to be a successful gambler, you have to really know how to play the odds. So I want to ask the question, what are the odds, if we're gambling, what are the odds that you exist? Not your brother or your sister, but that you exist. And here, well, I found a little, a uh, couple years ago, I found a pictogram on the internet uh, that kind of lays this out for us. Now, I'm a math major. I like this kind of stuff. So this is all the probability of the probability of you existing. I know you can't see this. I can't even see it either. That's why I wrote notes on the side. Let's just, let's do some math this morning. Let's see what the Lord has to tell us through some math. So think about it. 20 years ago, the world population was a little different, but your dad could have met in the neighborhood of 200 million women. Go dad. He probably didn't meet 200 million women. He probably met more in the neighborhood of 10,000. Still pretty good odds. What are the odds that your mom was in that small group? There's about 1 in 10 that they talked. Another 1 in 10 that they went on a date. Another 1 in 10 that they dated for a long time. And a coin toss if they got married. So the odds of your dad meeting and marrying your mom, according to this, 
I take Harvard as knowing what they're talking about, are one in 40 million. That's about the size of the population of California. But now things are getting really interesting. So you got a sister, comes from the same parents, or a brother. What makes you, you, and not your sister, or not your brother? Well, your mom, in her lifetime, makes 100,000 eggs. And your dad, about 4 trillion sperm. So what are the odds that the right egg met the right sperm? Right, Harry met Sally. One in 400 quadrillion. That's astounding. That's just you. Those same odds have to hold for your mom, and for your mom's dad, and your mom's mom, and your dad, and all of his ancestors. So if you follow this train of thought, all the way back to the first parents, what are the odds that you exist and not your brother? We're going to skip a lot of this. You can find it online. Let me put this in perspective. So 10 to the sixth power is one with six zeros behind it. That's a million. 10 to the six is a million. The number of known atoms in the universe is 10 to the 80. So the odds that you exist are 1 in 10 to the 2,685,000. That's a 1 with 2,685,000 zeros behind it. What are the odds that you exist? Are you a betting man? Would you play those odds? You are essentially biologically and mathematically impossible. It's impossible that you exist. And yet you're here. Every one of you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not chance. You're called. You're chosen. You're created. Remember grade school? You all lined up against the wall in a dodgeball game, and you had two team captains, and they picked which players they wanted. You ever get left out? Now imagine you're there with trillions upon trillions upon trillions of people, and the team captain says, you, Marissa, Griffin, I'll take you. Emily, you're on my team. Brother Carl, I want you. God doesn't just call you. He calls you by name. He knows you. Of the trillions of trillions of trillions of possible options, he picked you. You're a masterpiece. You're the creator's masterpiece. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't goof and start over. Think about a Rembrandt. You'd never go into a museum. Take a Rembrandt 
off the wall and slash it to pieces. You just wouldn't do it. Or a Stradivarius violin, or a Steinway piano for that matter, you'd never break it up. You'd never destroy it. It's too precious. It's a priceless object. Why do you do it to yourselves? Some of you are in the practice of cutting. Why do you hurt yourself? You're God's masterpiece. You wouldn't do it to a Rembrandt. Don't do it to yourself. Some of you have suicidal thoughts. You might have tried it. Please do not believe the heresy that the world is better off without you. You were chosen. You're not an accident. Got another image for you. Imagine this is the most beautiful painting that has ever existed. Can you see it? Imagine it's the most priceless work of art. It's perfect. And you're looking at it, and someone else comes up to it, and a couple others, and they say, it's too big. It's too small. It's got, it looks funny. It's got a stupid sense of humor. It smells bad. What happens to the painting? You don't want it anymore. What is the Father trying to tell you today? Don't throw this away. Please. Let me show you. Look how beautiful that is. That's, I made that. It's got wrinkles. There's scars. It's got wounds now. So does my son. Don't throw it away. It's priceless. Love it. Treasure it. You're chosen. Now, again, of the trillions and trillions of possible children he could have called, why you? Why did he choose you? I don't know either. But he did. Actually, that's not true. I do know. It's in this book. You should read it. This is really good. There's a lot of good stuff in here. You might like it. We heard one of these things today. Let me read it again. This comes from the prophet Isaiah. The Lord speaks to the prophet to speak to us, and he says these words. It is too little, he says, for you to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. It's too little for you just to be mine, as if that wasn't enough. Think about it. You're called here 
not just into existence, but there are seven billion people in the world. Not all of them know the Father. You're called here and to be baptized. You're called into his family. And not just to be Catholic. There's a lot of places in the world that teach the Catholic faith in a watered-down version. They claim, but they don't. You're here in a place where you get the full, challenging, and beautiful gospel to be saints. You're here in this community supported and prayed for by these monks in these pews. Why? It's not enough just for you to be my servant, says Isaiah. I will make you a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. You're called to be his. And in being his, to be a light to the nations. So please, today, live, be, and feel the miracle that you are.